Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me at some stage this week to get in on the action as the Milwaukee Bucks are one game away from an NBA championship. This game felt like it was never going to end. I had one eye on the game, one eye on the game clock for the entire fourth quarter, sitting in my living room, sweating hoping this game would come to an end. I knew it was going to be an anxiety-inducing finish, and it certainly was that, Frank. And for as long as we've been watching the NBA Finals as, as you know, just general basketball junkies, there is always moments in games that you remember, legendary moments from games. In Game 4, we had the Giannis block. In this game, and we can get into the individual performances, but in this game, the Drew Holiday steal and then outrageous lob to Giannis to finish, to put the Bucks in a position to win this game with less than 15 seconds left. A moment that will ever, forever, be remembered by Bucks fans, particularly if they can close this one out. But my goodness, Drew Holiday. <laughs> Drew Holiday, Giannis Adetokounmpo, Chris Middleton. Um, you, you know, we've been kind of like begging, not even kind of, we've been, you know, Bucks fans, we've been begging for the big three of his team to show out and show up all at the same time sort of throughout these playoffs. And it has just seemed like if you can get two of them in a, in a game, you're feeling really good. And they have leaned so heavily on their defense. They have leaned so heavily on offensive rebounding and transition to overcome the fact that those three guys who are so crucial to their half-court creation have just, you know, it's, it's always been somebody struggling uh, with Giannis being obviously the most consistent night tonight. But um, to get all three of those guys showing up, not just showing up, but, you know, just grabbing this game by the scruff of the neck at various points. Drew Holiday early, you know, he hits his first couple shots, and I'm thinking, oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> After the four for 20 game uh, in game four, uh, for him to come out and hit shots, you know, it felt like, oh, okay, great. Drew, Drew looks like he's back. But then the Suns make everything in that first quarter. Devin Booker, I think, was 5 for 9. I don't know if he had 13 or 14 points. The other Suns, aside from Devin Booker, were 9 for 10 from the field in the first quarter. It was an incredible onslaught. The Bucks go down 16, but Drew Holiday was terrific in that first half. He was the headliner of that first half. And in the second half, Giannis really grew into it. You know, in the, I think he had double digits in both uh, the third and fourth quarters. And Chris Middleton... <laughs> Man, I mean, it, it kind of got buried a little bit because of the Suns clawing their way back, and you have to give the Suns a ton of credit. They, they brought it tonight offensively. Maybe not so much defensively, <laughs> but offensively. Those guys made shots all night long, and I, they shot 55% from the field. 
I think 68% from three. <laughs> Didn't take that many threes, but 13 of 19. And they hit 91% of their 11 free throws. Not a lot of free throws. It, their box score offensively, it, 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 it was like pitching a perfect game. You know, they only had eight turn, nine turnovers total. They put up a 129 offensive rating in a game that they absolutely had to have at home. And the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that has so often struggled to really put it together offensively and has relied on that defense so much in this postseason, said, you know what? We're just going to outscore you today. We're, we're, we're feeling good. And, um, it, it, you know, having, having you know, as, as you said, this game felt like it took forever. I mean, these playoffs feel like they've been going on for six months. And to get the offensive performance we saw today, they hit 14 out of 28 from three. They hit, shoot 58% overall. They outscored the Suns 26 to 18 on mid-range shots. That was, you know, just so strange. They actually got outscored by six in the paint today, right? It just a bunch of things that that you feel like you had to have all seemed to go in the Suns' way. But again, just the offense was clicking like we haven't seen in. At, I, I mean, this was this is the greatest offensive performance of the season, right? Has to be given the stakes, the opponent, uh, and Man, I'm just, I'm obviously not speechless because I just rambled on for a few minutes about this breathtaking performance, but um, it, it's just so impressive. And, and this team to not just win on the road where they hadn't had any luck, uh, you know, in, in the series so far, but to take the body blows that they took in that first quarter in particular and to get things going without Giannis for a big part of that second quarter. I mean, again, just just such an incredible performance from this team, and you knew they needed one. They needed to get one of these games at some point to win a series like this. You're going to have to just be lights out. You're going to have to win another close game. Probably they won a close game last time. They win another close game here, and again, it has us <laughs> a week ago, ten days ago, whenever the hell game two happened. How many of us were thinking that game Bucks and six was a real possibility? I'll admit. I thought that was a heck of a long way from being a realistic possibility. And here we are with Bucks and Six in play coming up on Tuesday. So you rattled off a bunch of numbers there. And and this is the thing. If you didn't watch this game, and as you sort of pointed to, if you just looked at the Phoenix box score, you understood that it was a game on the road. You would assume that the Bucks probably lost this game by 20 points. And I, I think the paint, the, the paint's in the point. I don't know why we both always do that. The paint's we in both the point. Always do it. The points in the paint for the Bucks to get outscored in that area, uh, you think, okay, well, there's there's no way they could win this game. But on top of that, the number that is just mind blowing is the fact that they actually lost the Giannis minutes. Giannis was minus seven on the yeah. floor. Now, the critical point and the reason why that is skewed the way it's skewed, as you already uh, outlined, that patch early in the second quarter. So, uh, I tweeted at the time. I said, listen. Neither team has been able to withstand foul trouble to a key player. We saw DeAndre Ayton in Game 3. We saw Devin Booker in Game 4. And it felt like Drew Holiday in Game 5 here. And look, we can point to Jeff Teague all we want, but we've also discussed the fact that the Bucks really just don't have that many options. We saw and after that initial run, Bud said, screw it. I'm just going to play Middleton as a point guard. If we get to that point, we're not going to put Teague out there. That's fine. Teague was minus 11. He only played seven minutes. It was a disastrous seven minutes. There's no doubt about that. But the key point of that was that Drew Holiday wasn't on the floor. So they get Giannis yeah. some rest to start the second quarter. And keeping in mind that Giannis himself, I, I know, and we, we had some chat about it in our DM and, and Eric's 
you know, point of view, which he's certainly not wrong, was that Giannis always looks kind of gassed, and he does. But there was multiple possessions where he was just walking up the floor. He didn't look mm-hmm. himself. He was settling for jump shots. And you're thinking, I, I don't know how the Bucs are going to get back into this game. And then it was Drew Holiday. And it was Chris Milton. And i tell you who else it was. It was Brooke Lopez early in that second quarter who got on the end of a few buckets. And all of a sudden, Milwaukee settled. And we've spoke about this time and time again. We've watched the Milwaukee Bucks for a long time, Frank. And them settling on the road in that situation in a playoff game, no, that's, that's not what they do. There's no way. They would have lost that game by 30 points. But time and time again, they've had their backs up against the wall in this postseason run. And I really just thought that that first six minutes of the second quarter set up this win big time. And it was just mightily impressive for them to respond in an arena where, for me, watching on TV, it felt like the roof was about to explode off that building down 16 in a game that you know you have to have. Just the ability of this team with those guys, without Giannis on the floor to settle and work their way calmly back into the game was incredible. And hey, another big factor of that, Pat Connaughton. How much can we talk yeah. about this guy in the series? He's great. Connaughton has been tremendous. I mean, give him all the credit in the world. He had a really good season, regular season this year. Um, you know, earned earned his paycheck and then some this regular season. Uh, and you know, and again, like I, I hate to jinx it going into game, game six where you have a chance to close it out and win an NBA championship. But uh, his night-to-night performance really throughout the playoffs uh, has been just so critical for a team that has, you know, six or seven guys, depending on the, the series. Right now they've got seven because they're getting good minutes from Bobby Portis, who also deserves a ton of credit for what he did uh, in the first half in particular. He scored nine points, three out of six, two out of four from three, one out of one free throws, a couple steals plus seven. And, you know, just, again, the kind of the small plays, like he had that play where he gets enough, he gets his own his own miss, finishes for an and one. I think that was in the second quarter on Aiton, I believe, draws a foul. And then, you know, just that little play. You remember the play where uh, it's a scrum, there's a loose ball after a Bucks miss, and... Bobby Portis is the one that manages to, as he's going out of bounds, throw it off Chris Paul and get, you know, another possession. I don't even know if they scored off off it or not, but, you know, just, just kind of little stuff like that. The Bucks have been winning on the margins. They've been winning with their size throughout these playoffs. And, you know, I did a radio hit with Bart Winkler yesterday and we were talking about, I think, I, I don't know if he asked me like, which somebody, I don't know if he asked me about like which role player would, would do well or, or something, but I talked about, you know, the bigs and Brooke Lopez. Like I thought there's still a Brooke Lopez game, you know, because Brooke Lopez, as we always say, I mean, you count him out, you say he's not playable, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he makes a difference. And I thought he made a difference tonight. Um, You know, hits a three in the second half. As you said, he got, got around the basket for some finishes in the first half. Um, But Bobby Portis as well. Um, You know, Zach Lowe had, had a, a note about, you know, how, good the Bucks have been with like the Giannis Portis minutes uh, so far in this series. And, you know, even, even without Giannis, I think you, you get very nervous. We, I don't think, I don't know if we've seen at all um, minutes where Bobby's out there without either Brooke or Giannis. I think that's really the key is making sure he's got um, one of those guys out there. Um, but, you know, he hadn't had like a couple moments where deep, was it on Booker or Chris Paul? He had like a moment where he just, like totally stymied. I think it was Booker maybe um, on a switch. And it was just like, man, is that, is it maybe, 
you know, the Bucks night <laughs> when, when Bobby has, you know, a moment like that one-on-one isolated against, against Booker on a night when, you know, he basically put up more or less the, 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 the Chris Middleton line from last game. He takes 33 shots, scores 40 points, um, uh, five fouls again tonight. Uh, he was really good. And, you know, that, that three that Booker hit late um, over, uh, over Drew Holiday, that was, I think, probably the moment where, you know, you really are worried um, that, oh, crap, you know, the, 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 I, I, I'm trying to remember what, if that got it back to one or three. I may have got it back three, to think, three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then Paul, I think, got, got loose for a finish on that right part of the baseline. Um, you know, and I think that's really the positive for Phoenix coming out of this game is Devin Booker was not afraid of the moment. You know, he bounced back big time last game. He was great tonight offensively. And Chris Paul looked way better, especially in the, in the fourth quarter. He kind of went to work, and the Bucks really kind of struggled to contain him. Um, some breakdowns, too, like that that play where Brooke and, and uh, Giannis, uh, they, they set a screen. I think I, I, I think they might have set a screen on Tucker, like at half court, and Chris Paul just walked up, and both Giannis and, and Brooke got stuck playing basically under a screen, and, and Chris just walked into a three. But... Um, you know, I, th- I think there was, there's definitely, I mean, ob- obviously offensively, you feel really good about the night if you're Phoenix. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, this is, this was just an incredible game, right? I mean, this is the kind of game I think you, you dream of seeing if you're just a, a neutral fan, right? Just both teams just bringing it, scoring at a super high level, shot making left and right. Um, again, holiday in the first half. Middle, some of those Middleton shots in the fourth quarter, man. <laughs> I'm going to run out of gas a little bit, but, but he was incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, again, just uh, the big three are deservedly going to get the, the plaudits and, and that's going to be the story of this game, you know, at the kind of macro level. But as you put it, Pat Connaughton, again, 14 points on four out of six, all threes, two for two from the free throw line, six rebounds, plus 10 in 33 minutes. Man, I mean, he's just been so good. And, and, you know, and he's held up defensively too, right? I mean, he, I, th- I think, you know, he's a guy that I've, I frequently looked at and felt like, man, Bud always seems to put him in spots that make him look bad defensively. <laughs> um, and it seemed like frequently that would be against bigger players. Like he just gets switches and it's like, you know, Pat against Kawhi Leonard or something, something like that, right? It's like, oh man, that's a tough spot for him. Um, but, but he's held up okay. Um, he had, I think, I think, was it at the end of the first half maybe or? Um, he had one just tremendous, uh, I think it might have been in the first half, where he locked down Booker on a one-on-one ISO situation. And I don't know if he went for a block, but it was nearly a block. And um, the pass just been been so awesome. And and again, having that having that guy uh, who game, they're not playing many dudes. <laughs> and to get big contributions from both Pat and Bobby off the bench tonight in a road game, Bobby didn't need the Bradley or the Bradley Center, the Vicer form crowd. Really key thing for this game. Um, they just they came in, they started making shots, and they didn't let Phoenix going on an absolute heater there in the first quarter throw them off. They just kept playing their game. They just kept grinding, grinding, and once Phoenix started to miss some shots, that was the opening they needed. And man, just got got hairier than you wanted uh, in the last couple minutes. But I think you just have to give Phoenix a ton of credit for that because. The Bucks just like man, they they were just trading haymakers, right? I mean, in the third quarter and like first six minutes of the fourth quarter, like Bucks were just answering every shot. Giannis hit that step back at the start of the fourth fourth quarter, and I was like, "All right, 
like that baseline fade out, I was like, all right, maybe this is just, this is, we just aren't going to lose this game <laughs> when, he hit, when he hit that shot. All right, Frank, let's talk about Built Bar because there's only one thing that could possibly make this win a little bit sweeter if you're a Bucks fan, and that's by washing it down with the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. You can celebrate freedom of choice with Built Bar because there are so many delicious flavors. There's something there for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate. They're definitely passionate about their favorites. I'm so excited, I can't even spit the words out. So, with coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, among many others, you will soon know which one is your favorite, and uh, and you'll be able to uh, continue to get that down the line. They're healthy for you, as we know. And the deal we've got is pretty good. Just go to built.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked on for 15% off at built.com. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoff coverage uh, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And I do think you pointed to it, but I, I do think the Bucks got some of the bounces. And I, I think saying just simply some of the bounces is probably not giving them full credit for some of the plays that they made in this game. But when you said earlier that maybe Phoenix wouldn't be too happy with the defense, I'm not 100% sure because I, I, this is the strange thing about this game. And I was looking at it as the score continued to tick over and over and over. And particularly early in that third quarter where it felt like it was Middleton first booker just trading bucket for bucket and I was thinking well I, I'm not <laughs> I, I don't think either team is going to be looking at this and saying that their defense is a major problem right now this was just two teams that were hitting big time shot after big time shot but I did think it was interesting to see some of the mismatches that were hunted by teams now we know Milwaukee typically aren't a team that are going to hunt mismatches they'll just play the way they play we've seen it a little bit in this series I will say with Giannis in particular if the Suns were forced to go small if he got Bridges on him or Johnson, he was really licking his lips with that type of matchup. But in terms of the perimeter guys, we haven't seen it a lot. I thought in this game, we saw Middleton really go to work on Chris Paul, but I think that he was able to do that. And this is the benefit you get when Drew Holiday is knocking down shots and the Suns really need to take note of what he's doing on the perimeter. It then allows Middleton to to free up a little bit. And we saw him on multiple occasions seek out the, the matchup with Chris Paul, take him to the post. And although it's you know a tough turnaround shot, we know for Middleton, those are the shots that he takes regardless of who's defending him. So when he has a guy as small as Chris Paul on him, he was really able to get a rhythm. And I thought that that was important during that third quarter when he really found the touch defended by Chris Paul. And then on the other end, we've seen at times that the Suns have really gone after Brook Lopez. In this game, I do think it was pretty evident that they were trying to look for the matchup with Pat Connaughton on Devin Booker. Now, again, they brought it up on the broadcast a number of times and we saw Phoenix do this a variety of ways. Sometimes it was just trying to run straight up screen action with Pat Connaughton being the second guy. If that wasn't the case and the Bucks were able to put Giannis in that, in that screen action or someone like that, then they would simply set a second screen and eventually get Pat Connaughton on the Devin Booker. But, but I can't fault the defense from Pat Connaughton. I mean, I don't think this was a night where you looked at it and said, geez, Pat's getting cooked. So while they were looking for that matchup and it might have been the favorable one for the Suns, I still think Pat held up pretty well. So overall... I was looking at this game, and even though you, it was quite clear tactically what both teams thought was it was a nice matchup or what they were trying to get, and ultimately it worked for both teams, I think it's fair to say, when you look at the shooting splits, I do think that both defenses held up 
pretty well here. And these are the type of games where, as we came down the stretch for Milwaukee, it's like, okay, either way, whatever happens here, you're going to finish the night and look at the box score and say, we shot really well. We did a lot of things right here, but can you simply hold off on the road in an arena that's absolutely rabid and you know that the Suns are going to keep hitting shots? And they did. Every time the Bucks had a moment where you thought that they broke away, whether it was the Chris Middleton three-point play on the jump shot, Phoenix answered directly with the three of their own, whether it was Milwaukee missing a few free throws down the stretch, certainly some to Giannis, and then Chris missed one late. The, the Suns were able to, to respond again. So I, I don't think defensively there was too many problems, certainly to my eye. Did you see anything for either team where they would be really frustrated with what played out? Because it looked like offensively the teams were able to get what they want. Defensively, the, there wasn't too many breakdowns other than the couple that you noted. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this, is, this was... This game was more about shot making than mm-hmm. than you know defenses just playing poorly. Um, I, I think from a Bucks perspective, I mean, look, were there breakdowns, especially in that in that first quarter and first you know fifteen minutes call out of the game? Yeah, I mean, I think you know there were, um, and and I think Phoenix got got going to the basket. I think I think this might have been the most pain points they've had in this series 52 tonight. It was a turnover um, game, wasn't it? That really fueled them as well. Yeah. They, and, and they had 12 fast break points, which, you know, like last game they had zero. So uh, that that's kind of part of that story as well. But Bucks had 21, right? So Bucks are still plus nine in transition, which, you know, was once again, a, a major boost to them. Offensive rebounding Bucks 29%. So not quite as good as, as in some of the previous games, obviously, but that's still, that's still good. And Phoenix was at 23%. So, uh, you know, still a margin of uh, a bit of a margin there. Um, you know, it's very hard to get 11 or it's sorry. It's, it's, it's very hard to get a lot of offensive rebounds when you shoot 58% from the, from the field. Um, and this was not a high possession game either. So, you know, there weren't tons of possessions um, and ultimately both teams take 87 shots, right? So last game we talked a lot about how the bucks were whatever it was plus 20 and whatever it was in, in total shots from the field tonight. Um, you know, Bucks and and Suns are dead even, uh, and you know Bucks just took more threes. They only hit one more, um, and and it's a funny game to look at because you look at the box score and you kind of like you almost want to like do the math over again to make sure that like okay yeah the Bucks actually won <laughs> actually won the game because they also were minus one in terms of free throw makes even though they took six more um, with Giannis in particular he he was at four out of seven and then he misses his last four free throws including two big ones with what was it. Two minutes left. I don't know. So some, somewhere around there, he misses two two free throws, and then ironically, on that you know, and and I think next we should I mean, we haven't really even talked about the the Drew Holiday play right, which you know was the we had the signature block block to um, I guess it, uh, yeah we had the signature block moment and we had um, we had a, a steal and uh, a, I guess it was technically it was a Drew Holiday steal and finish last game. But um, this one was, uh, you know, a signature Drew Holiday steal on Devin Booker, and, and an incredible finish from Giannis, um, who, you know, for all for all his his, um, you know, being gas and all that, like the hustle he showed to get down the floor uh, for that alley oop dunk at the end was incredible. But you know, he misses the free throw, and then they get another rebound. You know, it was just sort of that feel that feels like that's sort of probably fitting uh, for this series that the Bucks miss, you know, an important free throw and 
once again, they get an offensive rebound. Unfortunately, Chris misses one of the two free throws, but at that point they're up four and, uh, and then great defense again on the other end to, uh, to force a miss, uh, with Drew Holiday and playing great defense. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I guess to get back to your kind of original point though, I mean, um, there's obviously some things that both teams are going to look at in the next two days and, and see what they can clean up. Um, defensively because because the offensives it was obviously just you know a clinic put on that by them tonight um i didn't think the suns bothered Giannis really much at all there were maybe a handful of doubles it didn't feel like they were you know really loading up to him very effectively and probably the number that really jumps out at me most which i just tweeted out is uh, he only had six assists tonight. He had them. I don't know if he had any in the fourth quarter as they kind of put the ball in Middleton's hands and he just kind of went to work, but, um, no turnovers tonight from Giannis six assists, 32 points, no turnovers. He has two turnovers in the last three games. I mean, that's incredible for a guy who draws the amount of attention he does for a guy who, uh, you know, will get charges and, you know, we'll spray the ball around and, and you know, make bad passes at times. The control he has and the mastery that he is showing in terms of being able to get to where he wants on the floor, either for his own shot or drawing the defense and kicking out for others. Um, you know, again, I just don't think the Suns, I thought the Suns were a bit better last game. You know, I thought some of the aggressive doubles sort of took Giannis um, and, and threw him off a little bit, but eight. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the playmaking was, was pretty much pitch perfect. And, uh, you know, it felt like even though Aiton was the guy on him most of the night, he was able to, to, to get buckets on Aiton. We saw him hit some mid-range stuff, um, some hook shots. Uh, he had more of his kind of all-around offensive game going. Only took one three. Um, but it was a, I, I would say this was more like game three in terms of his shot making in the half court, which, you know, again, when he's making mid-range shots, obviously he's just, <laughs> he's good luck, right? Uh, he misses a bunch of free throws tonight. but. Um, otherwise, you know, his floor game was, was great. And that's obviously just been a continued theme here. And, you know, they, they still have not figured out Giannis. And if they don't have, if they can't figure out Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and those guys are going to score, obviously it, it just becomes really tough to, to stop the Bucks. All right, it's betonline.ag time, Frank, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online as the Brewers continue to play pretty good baseball but you can also get the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs whether it is from baseball the nba finals that are ongoing nfl futures ufc mma it's all right there so before the next pitch check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on that's bet online your online sportsbook experts So back to Drew Holiday, and I, I think another underestimated aspect of this performance tonight, when you look at the points, because the points stand out, because if you look at the box score and you see that he was 12 for 20, and you think to yourself, okay, well, he was 4 for 20 <laughs> just, just a couple of nights ago. And, and we said, and this is something that I've been pretty consistent with right throughout this series, that when people look at Drew Holiday and then they look at the shots and they see four for 20 and they say, well, 20 is too many shots. Well, it's not. I mean, ultimately, when you look at 
the the construction of the Bucks roster right now and the guys that they're able to play. You need Holiday. You, you can't have Holiday shying away from taking those shots. But the thing that stands out to me is also the 13 assists. And I brought this up the other day. Two turnovers, too. He, yeah, but, he took care of the ball, too. I mean, he's, he's playmaking, Frank. It's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, his assist totals have just gone through the roof in the postseason. Uh, that is now, I've got it in front of me here, the sixth time that he's had... 10 plus assists in 22 games and then he's had another six uh, another seven times where he's had eight plus assists so he's he's in well over half of the games he's played he's had more than eight assists and then when you combine it with the defense you can see why if he if he has an on shooting night then it tips the bucks over the edge in terms of they become really 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 hard to beat but uh overall the defense and the playmaking throughout uh, this postseason has been pretty remarkable by him and Maybe if you look at the box score and the quarter by quarter and you look and Devin Booker was six for 11 in the third quarter and then he was also five for nine in the fourth quarter. So ridiculous efficiency from Booker. We know that he's been making tough shots throughout the entire series. But I did think it was a pretty pivotal moment in the third quarter where PJ Tucker actually picked up his fourth foul. And then the Bucks said, all right, well, we're going to put Drew Holiday on Devin Booker now. He pretty much immediately came up with a steal on, on basically the first possession. I think it was guarding Devin Booker. And you could see that even though Booker, again, full credit to him, incredible shot making, was still very, very efficient with Holiday on him. The physicality and the full court pressure that he all of a sudden saw with Holiday on him, which is what Chris Paul has been experiencing, no doubt made an impact. It did make an impact. And we saw on the very last play of the game to go back to the steal that I think everyone knew that Booker was the guy that was going to t- take that shot. Chris Paul also himself was four for four in the fourth quarter, including two for two from three. But it was just great anticipation from Booker. And once he picked up that dribble and he was in trouble and he knew that he was going to have to turn away from the double, we've seen this time and time again, not only through the postseason, but right through the regular season. When Drew Holiday decides that he wants to rip the ball out of your hands, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. There's nothing you can do. He's too strong. That ball is his. Yeah, I mean, he, like when you when you talk about those sort of rip plays, it's it's Kawhi and, and Drew yeah. Holiday yeah. that I think yeah. of just the combination of anticipation and just hand strength, right? And and with Kawhi also, he's just got these enormous hands. I don't know how big Drew's, Drew's hands are relative, relatively speaking. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, the that defensive play, because you think about it, I mean, the Bucks have, Bucks led by 14. I think it was 108-94 at one point in the fourth quarter. Uh, and the Suns just kept chipping away, kept chipping away. You know, when they needed a bucket, whether it was Mikhail Bridges who hit, I think, what, five out of six tonight, I think, um, or Chris Paul, they just made shots in that fourth quarter. And uh, Middleton, especially in the middle of that quarter, you know, Giannis got a couple buckets early, and then Middleton um, really kind of took over taking the load. And Drew, I mean, Drew didn't even really – actually make even didn't even seem to really have the ball that much in the fourth quarter. It was really like they were going to ride the Middleton Giannis pick and roll, which of course after last game makes perfect sense. And, um, you know, Chris with the step back and one on Jay Crowder closing out Chris with another three pointer with what was it like two or three minutes left? I mean, just some big, big, big shots from Chris Middleton in that fourth quarter. And, you know, we saw them blitz him again, uh, in pick and roll. Uh, a few times where the Suns basically said, "Hey, we just we just want to take the ball out of your hands," and Bucks had some. I think, I mean, I'd I'd, ha- I'd have to look. I I know they had at least one kind of easy bucket out of those, and and you know the other time um, they blitzed him in the post and they had to take a timeout. Um, so you know, clearly, I, I think 
over the course of that quarter, you know, the fact that the Bucks are looking at the clock and they're trying to run clock, I think eventually sort of um, leads you to take progressively harder shots. And Phoenix, again, just their intensity on the defensive end, I thought improved as that quarter went by. And, you know, you just, you just say, thank you that the quarter is only 12 minutes and not 13 minutes because the Suns were, were charging hard and uh, making shots. And, you know, I, I think um, this, this, I think was going to give you a lot to think about defensively going into game six, because certainly that, that was not a game where you'd say the the Bucks defense has figured out the Suns offense. Right. And, and obviously the same goes true for on the other side, these defenses, um, you know, clearly just, just could not stop the other, the, the opposing offenses. Uh, and, you know, again, just shot making left and right. I don't anticipate that level of shot making from, from both teams in, in game six. Um, but, you know, I think it was, I think it was, it was, I'm, I'm glad as a fan that we were reminded that, you know, uh, these teams are, are really talented and these were great offensive teams this year and they can do what we saw tonight. Um, were you, let's, let's talk about maybe that, that last, um, I mean, we've had just sort of signature plays now, uh, in each of the last two games, the Giannis block, of course, uh, and, and now the, the, the holiday rip and, and the value to Giannis. Um, I, I, I mean, first off, let's say this Giannis nearly like took his own head off jumping up and finishing that alley-oop like the the backboard is need they need to make the backboards taller I think they gotta like put a cutout or something there because somebody like Giannis is gonna hurt himself uh headbutting uh, a backboard on one of those alley-oops I I mean what a what a I mean it would be so easy to peel out and run clock and you know you probably get an extra few seconds and then you draw a foul and go back to go to the foul line if you're holiday in that in that scenario but you know, you look at the last two games, the, you know, Chris Paul coughs it up last game. It turns into whatever it was, a three-on-one, basically. Middleton gets that finish. Big play by the Bucks to, to not, you know, just try to, you know, sit back and, and run clock. And then, of course, tonight under, I would say, much more difficult circumstances because, um, you know, that timing was bang-bang uh, on that alley-oop. But uh, if you're going to throw, throw the ball up near the rim for anybody in the NBA, um, you probably feel pretty good about Giannis being the guy to go up and get it. And um, I, I, I had to laugh at the picture of, of Giannis finishing over Chris Paul, who's just, you know, hopelessly trying to, to push him. And uh, Riley Feldman, a friend from Brew Hoop, uh, tweeted out uh, just a, a picture. You can see LeBron in the background staring as Giannis is dunking on his buddy Chris Paul. I thought that was just a funny funny play but I, I don't know I mean anything else to 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 take away from that play because just I mean again just incredible incredible defense from from Drew who as you said um the, the Tucker foul I think was a positive because PJ was struggling with with Dev Devin Booker and it forced basically the Bucks to put Holiday on on book and then um the decision by by Drew to to go for the alley oop in that scenario, obviously, and then you end up getting another point when you get the rebound and Middleton hits one of two. Um, as you said, it's just a signature play from a signature win. And I don't know anything else. Were you surprised at all that that they went for the alley oop? I was surprised, and just think about at that point in time. And this is why I'm not a professional. I mean, there's multiple reasons why I'm not a professional athlete, Frank. First of all, to be clear. <laughs> But, but one of the reasons is because 
to in that moment to settle down, pull the ball back a little bit, see Giannis who's running like an absolute madman and not panic and launch that ball over the backboard or something ridiculous like that. I mean, just think about how that play would have been analyzed if Giannis isn't able to finish it. And, and people sit there and yep. say, with 10 seconds to go in the game, 13 seconds, 13 seconds to go in the game, you're trying to throw a lob in game five of the NBA Finals? I mean, it's absolutely outrageous. And I do think the big thing that stands out to me, and, and I'll say this, I mean, I think this is a pretty big call, but that play is, is already, and it's hard to believe, but that play has already surpassed the Giannis block. Now, both obviously absolutely unbelievable, but both the defensive play when you're only up by one and then the lob and then the finish. I don't think there's anyone else that could have finished that play. I mean, you spoke about the fact he nearly took his own head off on the backboard, but he launched at that, caught that when he's flying through the air at high speed to be able to still catch and throw, have the concentration to throw it down while being shoved, while being shoved is absolutely ridiculous. So that play already has surpassed, surpassed the game four for me. I also loved the stare down of Giannis right into the camera. I thought that was pretty iconic. And I will just mention the shove from Chris Paul because I, Bucks fans, and I saw a lot of people, not just Bucks fans, but people on Twitter analyzing that as a dirty play. Yeah, you could probably say that. But also when it's all happening so fast and you understand that you're just trying to foul Giannis, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know people say, well, Chris Paul's got a history. I get that. I'm, I'm not going to get into that now. But I just think the play happened so fast. Yes, it clearly could have ended badly. Thank goodness that it didn't. But I will also point out that earlier in the game, Giannis had a pretty, um, I would say, uh, skeptical foul that he tried to put on Devin Booker, which that yeah. didn't actually count. So let's be yep. fair, Bucks fans. That's Giannis earlier on in the game. That was a flagrant foul in my books that could have injured Devin Booker. So let's look at both of those. Yeah, I, I didn't think. I mean, it's just a desperation attempt to, you know, and especially Giannis being such a bad foul shooter. He's just missed a bunch of free throws. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything you would do anything to I mean, stop God him he fucking getting, finished it right frank yeah i know exactly i mean you do anything to try to get him to stop from getting the the finish and and making him earn it from the free throw line so um i mean even to the point of of uh you know uh of of if it if it was a flagrant which i don't think it was anywhere close to a flagrant i mean he just pushed him in the you know it's it's dangerous because of the speed he's going at but mm-hmm. you know he just kind of pushed him in the kind of stomach chest whatever it's it's a bang bang play so yeah i, I it's just, a, you know, any, anybody would, would try to do that. And as you said, thankfully, Giannis finishes it. And, um, you know, there, there wasn't any, any uh, negative consequence for that. Um, let me ask you a question. I, I mean, we, we've got a couple of days here to look forward to game six. Um, this, this was a roller coaster game, obviously, <laughs> um, to say the least. I, I mean, just, just the, 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 the fact that this ended up going down to literally the final, you know, the final possession, basically the final 13 seconds, right? Not final possession, I guess, but, but it goes down to the wire the way it did after the Suns lead by 16 and the Bucks lead by 14. That is not common, right? Um, but pregame, we hear that the NASIS <laughs> has entered health and safety protocols. And I think all of every Bucks fan then spent the next, little while at least somewhat concerned that is there another shoe to drop here we also heard josh oppenheimer who i believe uh correct me if i'm wrong but we heard it was noted then that he actually has missed maybe a couple games now um due to health and safety protocols um one of the officials sean wright was also ruled out due to health and safety protocols um i I know for you kane living in australia 
you guys just went into another lockdown. I mean, you know, the season of COVID, or I guess maybe last season is the season of COVID. It, we've had two seasons of COVID now, for which which is just awful. But um, there was, I'd say, a lot of anxiety leading up to this game around uh, until we saw Giannis basically enter the building and then do his warm up. Really, like you know, there was a lot of concern, especially for Giannis, given this is his brother and he's hugging his brother before every game and you know, what's going on with the Nassus? Is there some implication for Giannis's availability? Um, that was very scary. And I mean, I, I am, I have no inside knowledge of, you know, kind of what the Nassus and Giannis might've done in the last two days. We don't know if the Nassus tested positive or if he's just, you know, in a waiting period because he uh, was around someone who tested positive. My guess is it might be the latter just because Obviously, we haven't seen any other players, anybody else uh, held out of tonight's game. But I will at least be um, – I will. I would I would say this. I don't want to freak anybody out. But, I mean, I'm, I'm at least going to be somewhat concerned just these next couple of days. I, you know, again, the, the health and safety protocol is a bit of a black box. Um, we don't really know what triggered the NASA's to miss tonight's game. And, um, you know, you just hope that – that game six will not be impacted further by, by anyone else being, um, being ruled out. And of course the first person you'd say is Giannis. So uh, hopefully the is, you know, I don't know, they put him on a plane to some distant place where he can't be, <laughs> be anywhere near uh, Giannis and the rest of his teammates, which, which sucks because obviously you want the on the bench. I mean, you know, again, from a rotation standpoint, there's no impact, but um I mean, it's, it, it sucks. You feel terrible for Thanasis that, uh, that he is staring at the possibility of, of missing out on being able to celebrate an NBA championship, right? It's just a wild thing to say, but again, also this is the reality COVID where, you know, people may be done with COVID, but COVID is not done with us. And, um, the fact that it may yet play a role in an NBA finals where I think people thought, you know, we're past it. Um, is, is scary. And obviously uh, you just hope that we can get to game six without anyone else being pulled into this. It certainly wasn't what I expected to wake up and see. And this is the, this is the, uh, the different situation I'm in being over here in Australia. So I woke up a couple of hours before tip and that was the first thing I saw on my phone. I was thinking, Oh my goodness, what else have I missed here? And then started to scroll through and see what was going on. And as you pointed to, yeah, I'm, I'm, me and Thanasis basically watch this game in the same spot. I'm in, the, I'm in Australia's general public uh, health and safety protocol at the moment after having a bit of a, a close contact situation myself in the last few days. So, you know, Thanasis, I, I know, you know what it's like. We're stuck in the apartment or the hotel room watching this game, whatever it may be. I'm okay, by the way. Nobody panic. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was reading a story yesterday. I, I believe it was from the AP and it was all about coronavirus and the fact that Bud was talking about getting to the finish line and, and being very aware of the fact that this is, uh, again, a growing problem, certainly in the US, absolutely across the world. And I was thinking, geez, that's, that's an interesting article to read here before game five. And then I woke up a few hours later and this is the situation. I didn't see this, but I did see some people tweeting that there is a belief that Thanasis will be fine to play either in game six or game seven, which would lead me to believe, as you pointed to, that maybe it's a close contact situation rather than, a, uh, a positive test, but who would know? I, I don't even know what the rules are. They're so difficult to follow, particularly now with vaccinations and whatever. We, we just don't know the situation. So it's going to be a wait and see. Absolutely a little bit of a nervous wait. I did kind of laugh that 
uh, Oppenheimer and by the way, hopefully Thanasis and, and Oppenheimer are fine, by the way. That's obviously the first um, thought there. But I did laugh the fact that he's been off the bench and no one really noticed because uh, with a mask on, he looks very much like Ben Sullivan. So it's, uh, it's very hard to distinguish between the two. So maybe that's why nobody noticed that he wasn't there, but certain, certain well, Oppenheimer's like seven inches shorter. <laughs> I think Ben Sullivan's like yeah, really, yeah. Sullivan's really tall, but yeah, they 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 both have the bald heads and um and with the mask on, kind of hard to miss. I'm definitely I I will say I have I have definitely not been you know doing roll calls of Bucks assistant <laughs> yeah, coaches shit. during uh, during timeouts and um yeah, but but as you said, I mean you just cross your fingers that hey those guys are are say if you cross your fingers that nobody else is going to be pulled into this and then you know just you, i mean of course uh the job's not done right i mean that's the, the headline here going into game six oh, absolutely I mean, not you've you've sir you've given yourself the best possible chance especially in the context of the first two games right to think you'd win three straight and give yourself a chance to close out in six is you know that's that was the dream scenario for the next three games um but i mean does, does anybody sit here thinking that, that Phoenix is going to roll over in game six, that Phoenix doesn't have what it takes to win uh, a road game with their backs against the wall? Like, hell no. I, 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 am, I am absolutely not counting them out of this game six. And with everything at stake, um, y- y- who knows, right? I mean, who knows? With, with the pressure of, of you know, having a closeout game on their home floor, um, again, you hope the Bucks rise to that, but and these guys and they they're humans <laughs> you know they rose they rose to the occasion tonight in a way we haven't seen really all you know certainly all playoffs um in terms of just kind of shot making um and it's hard to do, it's very hard to do that two games in a row and you hope that again phoenix comes off their heater next game as well and the you know the, the home crowd kind of spurs the bucks on but man these are just two great teams and um you know coming into this series my my thought was always the longer the series goes, the better, just because of kind of the honest uncertainty and the fact that, you know, you're, you got the first two games in Phoenix. And um, <laughs> certainly after two games, you knew it wasn't going to be a short series in the Bucks' favor. So the fact that they've been able to extend this to six games and not just extend it to six games, but give themselves a chance to win an NBA title on their home floor in game six is just, you know, um, just remarkable, right? And, and uh, um, man, at the, the next two days, I... I've been kind of enjoying the, the two the two off days we've been getting just because of the chance to kind of breathe and and take a breath and you know because the Bucks been winning you get to listen to people being happy about a podcast and <laughs> podcast and everything but I feel like these next two days are gonna I don't know they they might be very long days for some of us depending on how you kind of take it how you sort of process this as a fan because you kind of just want to get to Tuesday and just try to do this and try to realize the dream that so many of us have been hoping could happen for so long. Yeah, it's going to be a long two days. There's no doubt about that. And as you pointed to, uh, we've both, and I'm sure a high percentage of our listeners have been watching the Bucks for far too long to assume that this series, or assume anything about what's going to happen for the rest of this series. I've been pretty strong since the start. I felt like it was going seven. Now you get to 3-2. You don't want it to get to game seven because that would feel like a huge blow after picking up this win that, as we've said the whole way through, the numbers probably indicate you wouldn't win. Uh, One last thought for me, Frank, I don't know if this came across your mind and if there's any Dallas Mavericks fans uh, listening to the podcast, maybe you want to turn the volume down right now. But 
With the Bucks leading by four points with one possession to go, I was just thinking to myself, thank God, thank goodness Jason Kidd is not the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks because he would be directing the team to intentionally foul right now to avoid the four-point play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't think we'd get a Jason Kidd reference in this uh, in this podcast. But one one other thought on the on the on the holiday steal, not just the the anticipation to put himself in that spot, and we talked about how good he is at ripping um, ripping guys. And I, I think when you were mentioning a, a steal when Holiday first started guarding Booker, um, I imagine we might be thinking of the same play. Bucks were up eighty to seventy five. I don't I'm, I don't recall exactly where we were in the third quarter at that point probably midway but i'm guessing holiday starts to defend uh booker and booker is near eh, just inside half court and drew managed to kind of jump and, and deflect it away he picks it up and not just gets the steal <laughs> he's feeling it yeah he takes a shot that if he took the shot in game four we would have you know wanted to throw bricks through our tvs he takes basically takes a step back rhythm three you know, with nobody practically even crossed half court and buries it to go up 83-75. And that was sort of the catalyst for the Bucks going from being up a little to suddenly they start stretching their lead out to double digits. And Suns were kind of reeling back a little bit, but then Bucks go back up 10 going into the fourth quarter. And it's kind of hard to believe the Suns only outscored them by six in the, in the fourth quarter because it felt like the Suns made this massive push and massive run. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, kind of, we were talking about the other day, I think after, after game three, it's amazing how often these games, like so much of it just comes down to how do you just make sure you're the one going on those runs and you can just prevent the other team from going on one of their runs. Right. Uh, and, and what causes you to be able to do that is, is oftentimes very different. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just a just a you know remarkable game. And by the way, one other note, I I always have a hard time really kind of zooming in on tactics, like literally just as a game is ending, because I usually I'm I'm not reading Twitter during games. Um, I'm literally just pacing around my room. I haven't looked at a box score until typically like just before we go on. Um, but uh, you know, looking at the the corner three numbers, this has probably been the I'd say most sustainably positive thing that we've seen change, you know, game two was notable because the Suns took just an absolute ton of, of corner threes. Bucks showed a lot of extra bodies and Paul and, and Booker, you know, made good passes and, and those role players just really killed them from, from three point range. And I think what was the stat? I think they took like, something like 17 corner threes in game, uh, in game two, and then six total in games three and four, which when you look at the Suns' offensive struggles, you know that was a big part of that. Is that those guys just were not getting those corner threes that that they typically feast on? Tonight, I think the Suns were two for two on corner threes. So even though they made an absolute, you know, boatload of shots tonight, they only took nineteen threes. And you know, in a game that's so close, the fact that you choked off those corner threes, which are you know again typically have the highest expected value. Um, and that 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 could be the difference between winning and losing, right? Because as much as Phoenix made shots, and I thought they got into the teeth of the defense, and they probably got to the rim better tonight than they have in previous games. Um, you know, Aiton was was good for them, twenty points on twelve shots. Um, I, just kind of small stuff like that, right? You 
he didn't turn them over quite as much, but he still got those offensive rebounds. He still got had the fast break edge, and you at least kept them in the middle of the floor where shots theoretically should have been harder, even though uh, the Suns still seemed to make kind of almost everything tonight. But in the day, they missed the ones that uh, that the Bucks needed. All right, let's wrap this up. As you said, we've still got a couple of days here, so we are going to obviously discuss game six in a little bit more detail and uh, we'll be able to get to that. But I know that out of some of our listeners, there'll be some freaks out there that love getting on the plane tracker websites and following the planes in midair, which for me, I don't know if I've mentioned this in the show before. I've obviously flown a lot. Uh, Clearly, I've flown back from Australia to the US a lot, but I don't particularly love flying, so I would never track a plane. I, I don't know. But there will be a lot of people doing that in the next couple of days. And no, I'm not talking about the Milwaukee Bucks returning home to Wisconsin. I'm talking about Frank Madden returning to Wisconsin. We discussed it on the previous pod that he may have just purchased some tickets. Uh, So I I think I can picture it now. The plane is going to land at General Mitchell Airport and Frank will just hear, it'll be like a faint like whisper in the background. And then as he gets closer, he gets off the plane. He walks through the recombobulation area. Sorry to Dan Schaefer for messing that up. And then he'll hear it, the chant. It'll be Frankie, 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 <laughs> Frankie, Frankie. And there'll be Bucks fans. They'll have the Rocky Rococo's pizza in their hand with the sauce. And then Frank's going to walk out of the airport and he's going to get, he's not even going to get in an Uber. He's going to get carried. He's going to get carried to FISA Forum. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I so so I think I forget how much of my travel plans we discussed the other day, but uh, basically, yeah, Sunday night after the game, I bought two tickets to uh, Game Six, and I and I said to myself, um, "All right, if they gotta go, if they, I, I don't know, because at that point, you know, do I want to show up for a game that, at best, they can just force a Game Seven? They or, or they could actually lose the NBA championship on that night. So I just thought, you know what, I don't know that I've got the, you know, and again, that may, probably makes me a bad fan, but uh, I don't know if I had it in me to go to game six, they lost tonight, but yeah, I guess it was faded um, for, for me to end up going to the, got two tickets. Um, I called up my dad after the game. I, my sister's in town, called up, called them up right after the game. And I asked my dad if he wanted to go with me to this game. And um you know, I think I think probably for a lot of people, um, you know, these games and and being a fan is about and you know, some of these people ask me, well, why do you get into sports so much, right? And again, it's it's kind of corny. It's kind of corny, maybe. I mean, we love watching great athletes, Giannis's on nights like tonight, Drew and Chris as well, doing these incredible things. But um, we we you, you just can't get emotionally invested the way some of us are without kind of the community and the friendships, the family bonds that have been, you know, just strengthened and, and the memories that you create while going to games and, and cheering on your team together. And certainly for me, you know, my, my dad got us season tickets in 92 and uh, just, we've been to so many games together over the years. You know, that was always the thing that, that, you know, I scheduled my, my holiday trips and my trips back home around was wonderful. When, when, what's the buck schedule look like, right? And, um, you know, it's set up obviously in potential fairy tale fashion, right? For, for me and so many of you guys, hopefully may also have a chance to go to the game on Tuesday and potentially see something that just still seems kind of impossible, even though it's right in front of our faces, the idea of the Bucks winning a championship. But, um, 
you know, I was texting with some friends. It's, it's going to be either the, by far the greatest sports moment of my life or the absolute worst sports moment of my life on Tuesday. <laughs> One of those things will probably come true. Um, but you know, the upside for me is just, just too high. And Kane, I wish, I wish circumstances were different. You literally can't even get to America right now. Um, so we'll just try to have to hold it down. And um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to podcast about game six, Kane. So, uh, you know, you may need to, uh, we, we, you're going to have to wait probably, or maybe do a quick solo pod or, or something, but um, I don't know. In, in my dream of dreams, I, I hope that I'm going to be out very late on Tuesday night um, crying and celebrating and, um, you know, not being in front of a computer, but, uh, and it's, it's still just wild to think, to think that it's, that it's a possibility. Bucks and six is, is a possibility. And, um, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm still just sort of nervous about it. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about it, but, uh, I couldn't be more excited either. No, I, I am pumped for you and I couldn't do a solo pod. There's no way. So however long it takes, whatever the, uh, whatever the situation is, we will, uh, do it. We'll get it done. And uh, hopefully it's a podcast for the absolute ages. But I am excited that you're going to be there. I'm looking forward to to hearing about your trip and your experiences and just being there at a finals game. I'm sure it's not something that you imagine possible as well. So the only other final request I have as we wrap up this podcast is when I look at the celebrity attendees for game six in Milwaukee, if Frank Madden isn't on there, I'm going to be very furious. I know there are some people that listen to this podcast that are within the Bucks organization. Get Frank on the celebrity list, uh, and, and everyone will be happy. But the Bucks—it's going to be—it's going to be very hard to find me. Let's just say that I, I do not have good tickets to this to this game. I am uh, I am in the end zone uh, upstairs, which is no one will shed tears for me. I've been very spoiled. I think, as I mentioned last time, I've been very spoiled in terms of where I've been able to see games from over the years. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be up in the, up in the second deck. Um, and I, I, I could not be happier to the worst buck life for this game because, you know, at at the end of the day, it's in the building and, um, you know, just hoping we get that story beginning that, that we all been, been hoping for. All right. Well, get him on a celebrity list and get him closer to the court. Okay, Frank. Frank is not going to make that request, but I'll make that request. Okay, get this man close to the court. All right. He yes. He's maybe be maybe I need to I need to I need to like shave my head and and you know do my best Josh Oppenheimer impression. Oh, yeah. See if yeah. I can see if I can weasel my way in there uh, behind the bench or something. Well, I'm sure you've got some shooting advice for Giannis. I mean, we've discussed it a lot in the podcast. So yeah, maybe that would be a good idea. Either that, or you can just get $1,300 of straight cash and just wave it in front of the TV camera like that dickhead was what, doing. What uh, was, what, what? what? I'm mean, too embarrassed to do that, by the way. I, I, I'm kind of like, from a TV production standpoint, like, I mean, it was funny, but the fact that they kind of kept going back to it, it's like, I'm not even sure really like what it meant. Like, yeah. like it was kind of funny, but it was like, I'm not even really sure there's like really much meaning behind this, but, um, but yeah, we'd, it would have been nice to get an ISO cam of, uh, of that guy, um, you know, at the final whistle, like, was he, was he still counting his money or, or what was he doing? But, um, but yeah, like the fact that the fans are now like, like literally, I think, I think when Giannis shoots free throws in Phoenix, there's a bigger share of the screen is dedicated to the fans counting than to the actual box of Giannis like dribbling and preparing for the shot, which, you know, is a choice. And unfortunately he 
really didn't shoot well from three. I mean, really, you know, down the stretch, just couldn't make make free throws. But one more reason to feel say thank they won this game because that would not have been a fun. This would not have been a fun podcast if Giannis if Giannis's free throws had cost them that game, especially the way he played overall. Absolutely not. And uh, one last point here: if I was that guy flashing that money. The way Phoenix Suns fans have been treating each other over the last few weeks or so, uh, hopefully he got out of the arena okay because uh, I'm sure there was a couple of people watching that game thinking they could uh, potentially um, go home with a little bit of that money. So anyway, hopefully he's fine. By the way, yeah, yeah, people, I, I, this kind of has kind of blown my mind. If, if people haven't seen it, I don't know, try to, try to find it, but what, it was at the watch party. Was it like the game three or four watch party in Phoenix? Yeah. A bunch of guys in Devin Booker jerseys which is, of course, the height of irony. Basically, started fighting and trying to beat each other up and push push one another in the stands of a freaking, you know, watch party. Like, there's not even a game going on, and or there's a game, but it's not in the building, right? It's on a jumbotron. And these guys and all in Devin Booker, like three guys in Devin Booker jerseys are fighting. You know, what was it? Two weeks after Devin Booker, you know, glorified. <laughs> the Suns and four guy so and gave him tickets and Devin Booker and look I thought the Suns and four thing was hilarious you know shouts to that guy for you know not letting the the Nuggets fans sucker punch him but let's be honest like the Suns glorifying the guy who's you know throwing punches in the stands eh, not not karmically like be careful there and and yes now Phoenix Suns fans are seemingly I guess beating the crap out of each other and the they they have to be be uh, a little careful with uh controlling their own crowd against one another so i don't know shouts to shouts to deer district shouts to everybody who is i'd say embracing in for for the fun that it is and and having a great time and so far at least you know doing it in a in a way that's positive um sam amick from the athletic i was listening to one of their pods the other day and he termed the phoenix crowd as very aggressive, very aggro. And he was basically saying, you know, the Bucks fans were, he was giving the Bucks. he was joking because, you know, that he was among those, these Giannis stories, um, which he said, you know, he had become an enemy of, of sort of Bucks fans, but then he was joking that he was going to now put himself in uh, the same spot with Suns fans because he was basically saying Bucks fans were you know, let's just say a little bit better about uh, about the fan part. Less, less of the fanatic part and more of the fan part whereas maybe a little different in phoenix but um cheering on their home team again this <laughs> this year because uh i i really don't want to go back i don't want to see the bucks back in phoenix for for any games this year let's let's end it on tuesday yeah well i've never been in a fight in my life so i do not approve of that uh, type of behavior there i'll say that <laughs> and uh one stat to walk out the door with tonight frank as we wrap this up this is according to ESPN Stats and Info. Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton are the fifth trio in NBA Finals history to each record 25 points on 50% shooting in a game. They are the first trio to do so since James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Magic Johnson in 1985. So that's a, that's a fun little stat there. We've been asking for this game. We wondered whether Game 5, we said they might need the big three to score 90 to 100 points in Game 5 to steal one on the road. They got 88 from that trio tonight, and uh, it was awesome to watch. They now lead the NBA Finals 3-2, have a chance to close it out in Game 6. Oh, boy, that's going to be a fun atmosphere at Fireset Forum. But for Frank and myself, we'll leave it there. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. We went a little bit long. I'm sure no one will have any issues with that. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll catch you guys then.